Hello friends and welcome to Not Just a Girl, your friendly feminist tattoo podcast. I'm Eddie and I'm back to share with you the experiences of artists whose practice is having a positive impact on tattooing. On the fourth episode, we'll be discussing painting for fun, respecting tattoo traditions and running a studio. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people whose land was stolen and never ceded. I am honoured to be on the ancestral land of the Awabakal people. I pay respect to the elders, past and present, and extend my recognition to their descendants. Today is someone that I have looked up to since before I even started tattooing. Um, I've loved her work and even had printouts of it on the wall above my desk. Um, her kindness, uniqueness, um, and respect for the traditions of tattooing are a part of why she continues to inspire me. I have the great honor of speaking to Mimsy Gleason today. Um, Mimsy works at her studio Trailer Trash in Brisbane. Um, her work, as many of you would know, is probably best described as kawaii traditional. Um, it's all bubblegum and glitter and all kinds of adorable. Um, thank you so much, Mimsy, for joining me today. It's so good to talk to you. <laughs> Hi, Eddie. That was so lovely. Thank you so much. You're amazing. You know, I'm one of your uh, I don't have to say that was, that was really beautiful and um, <laughs> I love your description of my style because I struggle with that myself. So <laughs> thank you very much. I'm really stoked to be here. Aww. Well, um, I guess we'll start with one of the, I guess, probably most common questions. Like, um, how long have you been tattooing and what did you do beforehand that led you to tattooing? Ooh, yeah, I struggle with this question because when I started tattooing, there was no... I didn't even have a mobile phone. So I don't even know, like, I wish I had a date that I started, yeah. but basically I started working in a tattoo shop when I was 20 and mm. I'm 43. Uh, the first year was just, you know, answering the phone and cleaning the studio. Um, so it's been over 20 years. Wow. Uh, what did I do before that? Well, I was only 20, so it wasn't, a heap of time to do too much Still a baby. before. <laughs> yeah, well, I felt like it, but I have to say I do know a lot of people who started a lot earlier than that. So um, to me, I felt like that was really young to start yeah. at 20. So I really feel like I grew up in a tattoo studio. Yeah. Um, but before that, I tried going to uni. I studied um, gold and silversmithing at uni oh, wow. um, at yeah, at the Queensland College of Art. And I really only did that because I couldn't get into the course that I wanted to do. I wanted to do fine art, um, which is just hilarious to me now because obviously that is not my <laughs> jam. Um, and they, they knew that. <laughs> um, so I, I did study a little bit at uni. Um, I didn't finish my degree. Um, I uh, was partying a bit too much at that age. Um, <laughs> Who was and I, anyway? 
Yeah. Uh, I think it would have been really valuable. I actually learned a lot when I was there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but other than that, um, previous to that, I just did odd jobs. I worked at a screen printing company um, and I did a lot of designing for them as well for their T-shirts. Um, so you've always circled around creative industry, like even before you were in tattooing. Well, I did a lot of, like, I was a checkout chick and, you know, I did that kind of, worked at a sandwich bar for a couple of months. Um, but when I could, yeah, the working for the screen printing company, I think I was only 17. That was amazing because they put a lot of my designs on their t-shirts. Um, so that was, that really sparked a um, something in me, I suppose. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely. I've always... I've always created since I was can remember. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so interesting that you worked for a screen printer because you do so much cool merch and stuff now. Like, I've got a whole bunch of your shirts at home, like, and you're always yeah. like bringing out like interesting stuff. Like, you did um a collaboration with a clothing label as well, didn't you? Yeah, for a while there, I did a heap of stuff with Sourpuss Clothing uh, and I loved that collaboration because I love seeing uh, my artwork on clothing, but I am not interested in marketing marketing myself. Yeah, I find that business side of things kind of boring. I just want to do the yeah. creating and then pass it to someone else. So that company was great to work for because they had the you know, they're like a worldwide company um, and they're so great at marketing and putting their little labels on everything. Um, so that was super fun. Yeah, I loved doing that. They did dresses and shirts and um, shower curtains were really popular. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. That's when I knew I made it. I made it to a shower curtain. <laughs> Your stuff lends itself so well to that rockabilly culture and that style of clothing as well. Like it's such a perfect match. Yeah, I hope so. I love that style. I love that, um, yeah, that sort of cheesy 90s sort of, uh, I don't know, yeah, rockabilly, psychabilly kind of style. So, yeah, it was heaps of fun. That's perfect. That's so good. Um, like, with your kind of kawaii style that you've come to now, have have you always done that or is that just something you developed over the years? Like, did you always have the cute pink bubbly glittery kind of look in your work? Mm, I probably, uh, that's a tough one. I probably always wanted to, but never quite maybe knew how. Mm. Um, I've always loved that style um my bible has always been a um, book called hell babies called Jun uh, by junko mizuno um i don't know if you've heard of it no. anyway um uh yeah i love that style but i also i'm torn because i feel like it's not really taken that seriously so but i love that you described my style as kawaii traditional because i really still do like to have my roots in uh, more of a traditional style as well. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm torn with that style, but I don't know. I don't know why I do what I do. I just 
there's no thought behind it. It's all impulsive. It's just like, oh yeah, I feel like doing this. That's or, perfect though, because then it's really genuine. <laughs> like, yeah, you there's no method. Anything you're not. There is no method to the madness, honestly. Every day I go for a walk and something stupid pops into my head and I'm like, oh yeah, I've got to do this. Or yeah, like, yeah, I can't, I can't stop myself once I get a silly thought in my head. I have to just do it even if it doesn't work out. <laughs> um, so the I don't know if I've answered your question. Uh, it's always been an influence. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've always really admired people who could mix that kawaii traditional style like mm -hmm. japanese tattooers i suppose would be a good example yeah um like someone like sabado back in the early 2000s um was doing all this epic like bodysuit work but it was also really kawaii like oh, wow. japanese style back pieces but it was just like a giant cat with eyelashes and oh my god <laughs> cherry blossom yeah so i can see yeah, that traditional Japanese influence in your work, like the way that you do backgrounds and stuff, like the clouds and the waves and all that? I love Japanese tattooing. That's my favourite style. I don't proclaim to be able to do it or even know really hardly anything about it, but to me that would be the pinnacle of tattoo style for me is to treat the body as a one canvas and... Um, just big, bold work that's not necessarily anywhere near perfect, but just the overall look of a full body. Yeah, mm. so, yeah, I, I love that style. It's so amazing. I love when you see um, a Japanese back piece that's just one subject matter but huge, like a giant koi just across the whole back. It's stunning because it's beautiful from any distance that you look at it. Yes, yes. That would be the dream. More back pieces. <laughs> I like. I love that back piece you did. Um, that had like, was it a back piece? It's like all mermaids and like sea creatures and stuff. Or was it a sleeve? I can't remember now. It was like a mer. Oh, I'll, I'll find a picture. I think I've done a few like that. <laughs> uh, to be honest, the idea of doing a back tattoo is terrifying at the moment. I might have to wait a while to get back into that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll ease back into it slowly. Yeah, I, I love how you, you do mix the cute into it. Like when Sophie and I came and got tattooed by you and you had that entire little flash sheet for us, which I've still got on my wall um, with all the little cat things. Like there was a cat banana and I got a cat lady and Sophie got the little um, cat makeup compact. Thank you, Eddie. It's just silly stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Like you say that your stuff's not taken seriously, but I think that there's a really important place for cuteness in tattooing because I think, you know, now more than ever, women are getting tattooed far more than men. And I don't know, for some, some, some women getting like big, serious, like angry dragons might not be their thing or like a big angry skull might not be their thing. But if it's something that they feel is like cute and makes them feel beautiful and adorable in their own skin, like that's really powerful for a woman. Like that's, you're doing more than you realize. <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. And I mean, obviously when it comes to that style, the, the industry 
has changed exponentially over the last 10 years. There's so many of us doing that style. I mean, I don't even know if I can say I do that style because there's so many people that do it way better and like really nail it and do exquisite work in that sort of genre. So I feel like I'm like, I've got to take a step back because I can't even pave the way. Uh, you the way for cute tattoos in Australia. Thank you, Eddie. You know what? A lot of people have said that to me over the years. And even though I feel obviously really uncomfortable and awkward, I also feel really, I feel really grateful and um, proud of the next generations for being able to um, express that to me. And, and I, I accept that now. I feel really um, honoured and I feel like, I, that's how I feel about a lot of my uh, peers who are older than me and paved the way for me. So yeah. I really appreciate that the younger generation or the new newer tattoo generation um, are really respectful of people who've gone before them. So thank you. <laughs> I think that's a really important part of tattooing and in some groups it's been lost, like, you know, the good traditions of tattooing and respecting the past and the history and how it's come to be where it is now. Like if we can't look back with respect, it's really difficult to imagine how we can look forward. That's what tattooing is all about for me. That is the bottom line. That is everything is the people who paved the way for, for me and you. That is, that's, that's our religion. You yeah. know, this, this, is you know, these, if you don't have that, you know, you're right. You've got nothing. So yeah. I agree. Yeah. I remember um, another thing, like, cause I've, I've always picked that up from, from watching you just like online and just from following you and being a fan, like how much respect you have for the past. But I remember the first time I ever met you in person when I guested with you like a million years ago now, but um, you told me that, you know, like to have a good successful tattoo career it's not about like fame or likes or followers it's all about like the customers and those regular customers who come back to you and showing them respect and being kind to them and that's always stuck with me because our careers are made on those people and without them we have nothing and I think like that's a really important thing as well like that kindness to our clients yeah, well, that's really cool that you still think of that. Um, probably my horrible voice haunting your <laughs> your brain. Um, but I do say that, and I say that to any, you know, tattoo apprentice or anything. The first 10 years of tattooing, I was terrible, at least. And sometimes I still am, to be honest. <laughs> but the thing that's always gotten me through is just, the connection to my customers being super kind and polite and just the utmost respect for everyone that walks in the door, if they're showing it to you. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, that is everything is to treat each person like they are the most important part of your life when they're in your, in the, in your tattoo chair. So even though, Oh my God, I did, I've done so many terrible tattoos, but those people in those, beginning years a lot of those customers most of them still come in and get tattooed by me because we have we have that connection 
you know, you become family. Yeah. Yeah, I strongly feel that. Once I've tattooed you, you're you're in my my fold. You you know, you're in my circle. Yeah. Um it's more than just yeah. a customer for sure, like because you're spending prolonged periods of time with them, like it's much more intimate and you actually get to know them as people. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I don't have any friends. <laughs> Cause I just don't really need them. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that I get that interaction with my clients, you know, they become my friends. Um so that can be, yeah, that can be a bit dangerous, actually. Not, yeah, for me, I I tend to lose um, social skills <laughs> in the outside world because I, I get that from my clients. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny how, like, tattooers, like, are so used to just, like, in the tattoo shop and interacting with clients and, and colleagues a certain way that in the real world we're just, like, I don't know, it's, like, there's normies and then there's us. Yeah, well, I don't so much feel that, but I definitely feel hermit-like. And being <laughs> in um, being in isolation for two months, it's not a stretch for me. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't really feel like I miss um, social life or going out or anything like that. Yeah. I want more time. It's never enough time for me. I want to paint more. Yeah. Um, You've been painting so, like yeah. mad. Yeah, but it's not enough. Yeah, it's all I can think about. Honestly, it's all I want to do. <laughs> That's amazing. But like, you can do that. You don't have to tattoo all the time as well. You can just paint if you want to. Yeah, well, it's been a really interesting experiment because I've always wondered if I could make a living off my art I did that again. Don't do um, that. No quotation marks. <laughs> it's art. <laughs> well, I've always wondered that. And it turns out at the moment I probably could. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't really feel like I need to go back to tattooing as extreme as I was. Um, yeah. But I can't because I have to get up every 20 minutes and make my teenage kids food. <laughs> <laughs> and... They're pretty good, honestly, but it's hard because I get interrupted a lot. So I'm glad that they're going back to school in two weeks. <laughs> it must be hard, like, you know, being a business owner, being an artist, being a tattooer and being a mom, as well as a partner, all in one thing and then just being stuck in isolation with all of these different hats you have to wear all at once. Uh... I have a really amazing husband who pretty much just does everything for me and allows me to just function like a toddler most of the time. Tony's <laughs> so lovely. Oh, yeah, he really just, uh, yeah, we, we're a team like that. So he is so supportive of my art that he just allows me to create all day long and he runs around and does all the errands and, um all the boring like business stuff that's that's all him to be honest that's awesome um i do take the lead more so on um managing the people at the studio that i run yeah um i know that's not specifically what you asked but i think it's interesting to mm -hmm. note and you might be able to relate to this um 
I think it's really important that the person managing the people in your studio is also a tattooer. Yeah, or at I least agree. has, or, or at least has been. Yeah, or is very strongly, passionately connected to tattooing. Yeah. Well, um, you you can't so yeah, really I, understand how they feel unless you've been in their shoes, because. You know, I think maybe sometimes from an outsider perspective, you might think, oh, they're just a bunch of babies. Like, but when you're in their shoes and you feel that pressure and stress, you can understand where artists come from with certain behaviours or things they do. So it's maybe a bit easier to have empathy and to approach it in a way that they can understand. Mm. And I'm sorry, because I did just change the subject that you asked me. No. But... But I've, I've always felt like it's really important as uh, someone who runs a studio to be on the front line with your crew, yeah. um, with your co- co-workers always. I'm not a boss. I'm a, I'm a co-worker. I'm on the front line. And that's why as tempting as it has been over the years to not tattoo as much, um, I feel like it's really important to keep that connection and to be there most days yeah. alongside them on the same level, doing the same stuff, getting in there, cleaning, whatever, you know, you can't be, there's got to be someone running the studio that is here with, with everyone, you know. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I think artists appreciate that too. Like for myself, having worked in studios where it was a clear cut, I'm the boss, you do what I say, you're less because you're a tattooer and you work for me and you rely on me. It's kind of like, it feels a little bit belittling, but when you work with someone who's also an artist, they understand you, you can communicate to each other, like, and you don't feel like they're better than you, like you're just learning together. It's so much like, I I think it's a better creative environment as well. Yes, it's a a co-op. We're all in it together. and I really think it's the only way it could work nowadays anyway. The industry is too competitive. Um, you know, your artists could just go and work at their home and yeah. register their business at home. So what, what's in it for them if they're going to be, you know, treated like they're not on the same level, you know? Absolutely. But I, I didn't really answer your question. You were talking about all the hats and mum, being a mum and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I could say, you know, my kids are 13 and 15, so they're really self-sufficient. That's awesome. They're really, they just want to be in their bedrooms playing video games or watching trashy YouTube anyway. <laughs> um, but they've really, they've really grown up with me um, being absorbed in my work um, and I do have a lot of mum guilt about that, which I'm mm. sure you've probably sort of touched on that subject with other artists before as well. Um, but um, a lot of other people I've gotten feedback about that um, seem to think that that might benefit them later on, being um, influenced or having a mum who is really self-motivated and yeah. focused on... Um, you know, providing for my family. Hopefully that will translate to them as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you and Pony are able to, like, work together as, like, parents and business partners, I think that sets a really good example as well for children that, you know, um, it's 
it's got nothing to do with gender. It's just like people doing what they do best and working together with their, their skills to create an outcome. Yeah, it's quite awesome for um, Biz and Lula because there are no gender roles in our relationship. Um, apart from doing the washing, Pony does all of that. <laughs> but, yeah, um, no, we don't. Yeah, Pony's always been the Mr. Mum. Like he, ever since uh, they were little kids, he was the one who took them to uh, kindy every day and hung out with the other mums and he joined the PNC. I was never on the PNC. He became the uh, treasurer, I think he was, of the PNC when they were in primary yeah. school and used to hang out with the other mums. And um, uh, when my kids were really young, um, my daughter got sick and he decided, or we both decided that I would go to work tattooing and that he would look after my daughter. Um, so that was a role reversal because he was full-time dad yeah. and I was full-time work but he was still working in the business as well yeah um so yeah that that was a bit of a role reversal at the time um uh, I think things have changed a lot now in the world and there's a lot more dads doing that nowadays yeah. which um, is amazing it's amazing and there's no need for that you know this it's the ebb and flow you know because one day that the balance could change it yeah. doesn't matter male female it's just about the partnership and helping each other out absolutely like that that's the rule my husband and I have it's just like you know if I've worked a longer day he does more of the house stuff and vice versa like we always try to meet each other equally and contribute equally to our lives as a whole but it's never like a fight or an argument it's just like you do what your part because you're a human and like nothing else matters apart from making sure that your lives run easily yeah yeah well you're very lucky too because you've got an amazing partner as well so he's lovely but I mean I can't really see it working any other way and I feel sorry for anyone who doesn't have that I suppose yeah. really to me it just seems like the norm I don't yeah. really see gender roles or gen you know I don't really see any of that in my in my world yeah I think we're really lucky like I think especially now in the world we're in where we can just focus more on being humans and on creating equity and not focusing on all that like bullshit that we've been programmed with and just be nice and have a good life. I hope so. And it's interesting because, you know, you, you put together this amazing um, movement with the Not Just a Girl, you know, starting with the Flash Day and now this podcast. Um, so, but yeah, for me personally, it's, I feel weird about it because I just don't see it. Like, I, I guess I'm just in my bubble and yeah. it always shocks me when I meet or see people on TV or anything like that who, who don't have, you know, gender equality, I suppose. So, yeah, we are very, very privileged to be in our little bubble where we are treated with respect and where we're safe. Yeah, I think that is a very good point. Yeah, I think you know, sometimes like that's because that's what we create for ourselves. Like, you know, we do have the privilege of creating that, not everyone does. But you know, for myself, I don't allow toxicity 
into my life because I'm not going to have anything that's going to affect me negatively or get in the way of what I need to do. And for me, my focus is producing art and being happy. So like that's everything in my life is centered around making that happen in a positive way. You're a very amazing role model when it comes to uh, yeah, the self-awareness like that. And I, I think you're really inspiring. And I wonder what's led you to, to that path and having such a clear vision of, um, of what, you, what your beliefs are as well. I've got a, I've got a strong mum. <laughs> I've got a very strong mum who, like, from a very young age was just like, you never accept anything less than what you feel you deserve. If you treat other people with kindness and you don't hurt other people, you have a right to, like, be respected, to be treated with kindness in return and just, like, respect yourself enough to demand what you deserve. And that was, like, the biggest thing. And taking responsibility for everything you do and feel as a human like because once you take responsibility then everything else kind of gets a bit easier to cope with I think so I'm very very lucky that my mother is so strong and has set me up to a point where I can maybe try to do good for others in return amazing thank you Eddie's mum you created <laughs> a beautiful human <laughs> big done. <laughs> um yeah anyway we got we got totally off the topic but that was lovely I love mom I'm sorry I do it was mother's day yesterday so (laughs) happy mother's day for yesterday by the way (laughs) yay (laughs) I got Kmart vouchers so I'm stoked (laughs) (laughs) didn't you do a Kmart flash sheet one time yeah I did yeah I love um with your work how it's just like there's a lot of humor in it like there's a lot of like sarcasm and irony and like you're always kind of even though you're not overly like outspoken about lots of different things you can always like just get like little hints of humor and like ideas and opinions in your work but it's in a really like cute and easy to digest way thank you for noticing that that means a lot to me um what can I say about that? That's my way of coping, I suppose. Um, yeah, I've never been, I, I've tried being a little bit of an activist about certain things over the years that I feel strongly about. Um, but I do feel like artists, um, if any, actually anyone who has an audience has a um, vehicle to affect people, yeah I don't want to say they have a responsibility to because I don't I don't know about that but I do feel like you know if if I've got an audience like it's it's not much but I have a few people following me on Instagram or you know anyone looking at the piece of paper in front of them you know if I can make them think a certain way that's what it's all about to me I just want to affect people somehow like when I go see, when I go to the cinema and I see a movie, I want to come out of there feeling something. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I just want to feel something. So yeah, to me, I, I want people to look at my art and if it makes them have just a little bit of a smile, just even a little bit, I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> or, or something or sad yeah. or anything. I just want people to feel something. That's what, that's what gives me 
joy, I suppose. (laughs) I think, I mean, having a message is inherent in our work. Like you said, anyone who's got an audience, it's just inherent part of it. Even if it's not what you're trying to do, you're still, even if you're not putting a message out there on purpose, it still is impacting people and influencing people in a way. But I think, yeah, your stuff definitely has that happiness, like that joy in it. Like, you know, you did um, a cute little vegan flashy because I know that veganism's something really important to you. And at first you're like, oh, it's just so cute, all these cute little things. And then you look at it again, you're like, oh, it's like a vegan thing. And like, oh, yeah. Like, and then it kind of gets that conversation going about those things and those thought processes, which is really good. I like to sucker punch people, <laughs> you know, like do just, yeah, like just shock people a little bit if you can, just the juxtapose of things or yeah you look at something and you think oh that's so beautiful but then if you look closer it's actually really disturbing you know yeah like your little um COVID drawings you were putting up at the start of isolation I was losing oh, yeah. my shit over we're that all <laughs> we're all fucked we're all fucked yeah you got I mean if you don't laugh you cry right yeah absolutely <laughs> kind of a, a helpless feeling where you just got to go oh well I'm just gonna do something completely fucking ridiculous because who cares anyway <laughs> yeah. yeah I think um, it's cool to let go of that idea of like worrying about what people think and just do something fun and ridiculous because that's what's going to lead you to something more impactful anyway yes it's hard sometimes to let yourself or to yeah to get your head around that Um, But that's, to me, that would be the ultimate goal as an artist is just to never have a design brief and just (laughs) take, take things to as far as you could and further because you, you're creating it. There's Mm. no, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, like not necessarily tattooing because I guess there are constraints, but you've got the ability to make something look like it's flying or um, I don't know, anything. Take, take it as far as you can if that's yeah. what you want to do. You're not confined by anything. So Yeah, we don't yeah. have restrictions as artists really, like when we're creating work for ourselves. Mm, that's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I feel like, like for those of us who are privileged in this situation to be able to get like welfare or whatever and live comfortably and not have too many stresses, you know, we can explore those things. And like a lot of the people I've spoken to have realized that, oh, hey, after this, I can actually make time for my art because I realized how important it is in my life and process. And so like coming into this new world after, you know, COVID or whatever, we can still tattoo, but we can still have time for art and be a more full version of ourselves. I don't know how I'm going to have time to do it all, honestly. <laughs> I am scared. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's going to be so weird trying to fit tattooing back into my life. Yeah. Because, I'd yeah, I'm going to have to start slowly, I think. Definitely. Because, uh, I mean, managing artists in itself is a pretty big job. Yeah. It's definitely a mental sort of a thing that's always there, isn't it? It's just always there. Yeah. Responsibility. 
yeah. It's, I'm not saying it's bad, it's just, you know. It's different. <laughs> probably been good for everyone to have a little break, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I've really enjoyed it, actually. Like, aspects of it, obviously. But, yeah, it's it's nice to, like, not be boss for a bit and just be another person who can't tattoo. Yeah, yeah, well, we're all, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? Everyone's, yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember what I was going to ask. You can ask me something because I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, um, one, of the, one of the things, like, like I've always wondered about, like, you know, with your studio, like, trailer trash, it's so iconic. Um, you know, I remember when I first started tattooing, and I think even before when I was going to conventions, you know, your trailer was always the highlight. You had your pink sparkly trailer, the grass, like the fake grass, the little white picket fence, the pink flamingos everywhere. Everything was just like so fun. And it's literally the only thing I remember about conventions, like the trailer trash thing. And it was the same when I came to visit your studio when it was at Archerfield Airport, like just how cute it is. Like, is that, was that always the plan to have this like, studio that's literally a whole other world and experience or is that just something that came about naturally like yeah I've always wondered about that yeah well I think it's a bit of both to be honest um I'd always wanted a 50s caravan uh like obsessively I needed a 50s caravan and I I had one I had a couple and then I I realized I mean I love I love that era and I loved the caravan and I love tattooing. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Just makes sense, right? It was yeah. like, oh my God, this, it's in front of me. Like this, this is what I'm meant to do. It's uh, I was so, bit. I was so excited. And then the name, I mean, I don't even know if it's very politically correct, but to me, the name um, Trailer Trash Tattoo represented uh the idea of this is what i am take it or leave it yeah i'm not saying i'm perfect i just do me i do trailer trash tattoos <laughs> like i just, i just do like yeah i'm sorry i can't be this fine artist that you want probably this is just who i am so it's like i'm just putting myself out there the way that i am take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when, when I got the trailer and I realized that, and then I found out that I could legally do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was pretty exciting. Uh, my dream at that point was to tattoo in the trailer full time. Um, and then my dream was to actually own a trailer park <laughs> where it was all, I know that was my dream. So then when I started, um, when I opened the Archerfield studio, we found a warehouse, as you may remember, because you worked there. Yeah. Um, I, want, I wanted a warehouse and to set up a trailer park in the warehouse. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and so my, the only way I could do that financially <laughs> was I had three, three 50s trailers in the warehouse. Um, but then I realised it's not really very comfortable and no no other artist is going to want to do that. So there was a mezzanine level 
And I wanted that to overlook the trailer park. That was my dream. I wanted like a panoramic view looking down on the trailer park that was in the warehouse. But of course, the reality was the window that we could cut into that wall was only so big. It wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a panoramic. Either trailer park. <laughs> you could, you could. So in my mind, it was this, you know, tra- trailer park in a warehouse. And I tattooed in the trailer. And then I had people tattooing on the mezzanine as well. And it was the whole, yeah, step into my world like a, like a museum, like a 50s trailer park um, all set up and I'd be all dressed up and it'd be just the full experience. Yeah, because you can, right? There's, yeah. Well, like who's to tell you what you can and can't do, except for the government, of course. Um, <laughs> they love to tell you what you can and can't do. <laughs> so there was that restriction. So to be honest, that's, that's where my mindset was at. It was just like, wow, I'm going to do this ridiculous thing. And, of course, the reality was it got whittled down to the, you know, three caravans in a warehouse. (laughs) (laughs) It still worked. It still had its impact. (laughs) Yeah, it was, we, Pony and I, like I was saying before, we took things as far as we could. It was completely impractical. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and we lasted, I think we were there for five or six years, which is insane because it was in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) It was literally in the middle of nowhere. It was ridiculous. And somehow, I don't know how, we attracted all these incredible guest artists like yourself. And I could name 20 other artists. They all all wanted to be a part of this from the start. They they wanted a piece of this ridiculousness. Um, I feel like it's become a part of Australian tattoo history though. Like just this crazy other world that you created. I hope so, but I have to admit it's gotten harder now that we're, it's gotten harder for me to preserve that part of myself, Mm. but I hope to go back to it in some way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it's not all written. The, the books aren't closed on that because yeah. <laughs> there's possibility there could be a reinvention some point in my career. <laughs> I look forward to seeing that. But it's cool <laughs> that you're able to just, like, go with the flow and just work with what you're given as well. Like, you know, you're in a beautiful building now, although you guys haven't had the best year with the fire and everything, but yeah, like you've still always got a beautiful space to work with. Yeah. Well, we, when we moved there, which is in Annerley, which is about 15 minutes from Brisbane CBD, um, we were actually looking for a space that was a street shop. Uh, And we, of course, Pony and I got, led carried away by our hearts when we found this old Queenslander building and we moved into that space which is where we are now um so it wasn't really the plan but to be honest the reason we you know I've evolved in that direction is because of my workmates I haven't really um worked with anyone who particularly really wanted to be in my 
kawaii bubble. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if there is anyone else in the world that would want to because it's it's a bit weird in there. So the idea... (laughs) Right. So the idea with this evolution of trailer trash is to include everyone. Yeah. So not, you know, not... It's not all pink and sparkly and whatever the, the studio it's more inclusive and for all for everyone's clients as well yeah it's still beautiful and my room that I work in is still pink <laughs> <laughs> but the idea behind this evolution was to respect everyone that I work with in the way that I represent the studio yeah that's so beautiful and that's like I think a really good example for other studios to follow that you know it's important to be inclusive and not just like focus on your own ideas but include everyone you work with because that creates more diversity and invites more people into the space yeah I always want um the, the people that I get to work with I always want them to have their own space to create as well mm. I think that's really important even if it's only a wall or a couple of walls or a corner, everyone needs to be able to express themselves because we're artists. Mm. Um, that's, that's how I feel. Um, so we're really lucky, even though we did have, like you were saying, that bit of bad luck at the beginning of the year with, with our fire. Um, we're really lucky that now we have a space where uh, Swazi and Allegra and I all have our own room and then we have a whole downstairs level as well. So there's heaps of space for us now, which is going to become really handy because we're all going to have COVID safe Mm. plans going forward. So that's going to be handy for us, even though, like you said, we did experience some bad luck. Um, On the flip side, the positive is now that the studio has been renovated again after the fire, a lot of us, can have our own room and we've got heaps of space to spread out that's awesome and you've got such a a good team to work with as well you've always got the most incredible lineup of artists at your studio yeah (laughs) we're very lucky we're very lucky but also probably not just luck um i'm pretty how would you say i'm pretty full-on when it comes to first impressions and also it takes quite a lot for me to completely trust someone (laughs) so when I put someone on full-time you know that I think that they're worthy because I'm not mucking around I'm 43 (laughs) you know I've been doing for over 20 years if you're you're not gonna take things seriously or you know be a good person is the main thing yeah that's number one absolutely i'm not mucking i'm just not mucking around (laughs) yeah that's that's good though you've got to set boundaries i I do the same here like my most important thing is that the person is a kind person who's inclusive and thoughtful and respectful and then after that it's their work and how they treat their customer and then you know like a whole array of other things but everyone has to be able to work together or not at all yeah, yep, it's a it's a tricky balance, but we do it. <laughs> yeah, it can be hard managing Tedua's egos because we've all got them, whether we like to admit it or not. But 
Yeah, well, I have to say that's probably the secret of the success of the current crew that I have is that there's really not much of that at all. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that's just out the window. Like we're all just nerds or, you know, <laughs> just social dysfunctional people. Like they're just, uh, there is just no ego in our studio at the moment. It's, it's really easy to go to work every day. Oh, wow. And I love that feeling where you just, you feel like you could go in your pyjamas and no one would bat an eyelid. Do you know what I mean? That's just no one cares. All we care about is the tattooing. This, you know, and just looking at what each other does and, um, yeah, that's, that's all we care about is that that's our connection with yeah. each other. Yeah. I, l- I love that when you're in a studio where everyone's looking at each other's work and enjoying each other's work. That's just like, that's the best feeling ever. Yeah, well, we weirdly enough, another great thing that came out of the um, fire that we had is that we all had to move downstairs. So there were, I think there were seven of us or eight of us. I'm sorry, I'm really bad at remembering that. Um, <laughs> we were all tattooing sort of in the same space and really closely. And because uh, usually I'm upstairs in my own room, and so was Chantelle and Allegra and Swazi, but we all converged downstairs for a few months. And um, it really bonded us. Um, but now we're separating again because we're, we're ready to be apart again. <laughs> I think customers enjoy it too when there's um, a good relationship between the tattooers. Like it makes them feel more comfortable and safe to come in as well. And like, you know, whether another tattooer comes up to them and goes, oh, I really love the tattoo you've just got. It really like enforces for them that, oh, yeah, like I, did, I made the right decision with this life-changing thing that I've just done to my body. <laughs> they love it. And also, you might be able to relate to this, um, the upstairs level of trailer trash is all girls. <laughs> and it didn't intend to be that way. It just evolved that way. And it's been so great. Like, a lot of our well, not just female customers, a lot of our customers just feel so relaxed and just, yeah, I mean, there was no ego anyway, but there's definitely no ego in the, you know, yeah. when you're just, I don't know, it's been, it's been so good and just so easy. Yeah. Do you it have any comments on that? Is that a tricky subject? <laughs> no, like, I think it does change the dynamic. Like, I, in the last year I was at STR, I worked with two guys, or three guys, sorry, who were amazing and there wasn't any issues with them at all. Like I absolutely loved working with them. But then when I came and opened FLT, I had no intention of like hiring only like female identifying people, but that's just what happened. And even though I loved working with these boys, working with just the girls for a while, it was actually like really a welcome change. Like Again, I, I don't judge people on their gender or anything like that, but it just was different, like, you know, being able to come to work and not really worry about what I was wearing, how I looked. I could talk about menstruating and, like, PMS and all of those things that I felt awkward talking to, in front of other people about, but then suddenly it was just, like, everything's on the table and then it was, like, there were no walls anymore, like, talking about 
all kinds of personal things. Like there's no such thing as too much information anymore. We're just so comfortable. And that made our customers more comfortable as well. And so even though now we've got Paul working with us, um, like it still hasn't changed. Like he's just fit into that, that thing, like that, I guess, new vibe where it's just all about being yourself, being comfortable, being honest and not competing, not trying to have this like weird bravado or anything like that. And it's made work coming to work so much more pleasant. Hmm. Amazing. <laughs> and it is a tricky subject though, because I think you actually used to get asked that a lot before you had, is it Paul? Before you had yeah. Paul there? Yeah, it is a tricky subject. And like I was saying, to be honest, it was really refreshing going back downstairs and working with all the guys again as well. Yeah. So I'm the same. It doesn't matter. I don't care. It's your personality that's yeah. a clincher. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. But... People really grasp onto it though. Like we were always like, oh, you're the girl shop, aren't you? And I'd just be like, no, we're the tattoo shop. We happen to identify as women, but we are tattooers. Tattooers first and foremost, none of the other stuff matters, but people would really like get funny about it. Like we had one guy who cancelled a full day appointment when he found out there was no men here because he he didn't feel comfortable being tattooed when there were no men around. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and we had... I don't um, know, but I mean, I guess you can't judge though, can you? Because maybe that's a valid feeling that someone yeah, has. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting that like that toxic masculinity, that that idea of like he could not trust women to do as good a job as, as men. And because the way he worded it, that's what it had actually come down to. Um, like I I do find that I've had a a few incidents like that where it's like people were shocked that like you know they would often ask me if my husband was running the studio with me like as if I couldn't do it without a man behind me or any like I don't know like well I'm safe in my world and I'm not judged on based on my gender I'm only judged on my abilities you know it's interesting people who are outside my little social circle coming in and being like, Oh, why aren't there boys here? Like, you know, it's, it's a different tattoo shop. Like it's just a tattoo shop. You know, no one questions whether it's okay for a woman to go and get tattooed at a shop where only men are working. But then we would always be like, Oh, are men allowed to get tattooed at your shop? Cause there's only female tattoo. And I'm like, of course, everyone is welcome here. You're all safe. You're all welcome. Please come, but please treat us with respect. But yeah I know that feeling really well but I guess I'm kind of shocked that that is still happening so much when I started tattooing because I was only 20 so I looked like I was 10 like I was so (laughs) young the the people that walked in the shop I think it was probably women too probably um yeah they, they wouldn't take me seriously they'd be like oh I was one of the guys here yeah talk to so it was a combination of me being female and young yeah Uh, so I get I get the inexperienced thing yeah I'm a bit shocked that that's still a thing I don't I don't really come across it anymore myself but I wonder if that's just because I just I mean you're the same though I just have a zero patience for that at all and I think I put that vibe out there so strongly 
yeah. and because I've been in the industry so long, I'm really confident uh, with people who are going to act like that. And I just, they just don't last very long around yeah. me, I suppose. I think the way yeah. that we come across on social media, we attract the kind of customers who are going to treat us with respect. Like I think yeah. when they take a look at our work or our social media or whatever, like they know that they're not going to get away with that, you know, like on my bio, it's hashtag feminist, you know, so they know that it's not going to fly here, but it see. And that's where I can't tell if it's happening less or it's just that I'm not attracting those kind of clientele anymore. But like, I remember the first time I really noticed the difference. Like I always knew that, you know, I was always asked if I was the receptionist and all that. But I remember one time I went to a customer with a design and they were like, this is terrible. I want this and this and this change. And I explained to them from a technical point of view, why these things wouldn't work as a tattoo and what we would do instead of what their options were. They were like, no, no, I want what I want. And then my colleague, um, Drew came over and repeated exactly what I said. And they were like, oh yeah. And he just turned around and he was like, what the hell? Like, yep, <laughs> that's, that's what it's like. Yeah, I'm sure. It, yeah, I'm sure it probably still... Yeah, I mean, let's let's get into it. I feel like the tattoo industry is still where females are still very underrepresented um, in this industry. So I suppose that's kind of related. It's all it's all connected, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, um, that, that's why I, I wanted to do this because I've been in isolation. I've been listening to podcasts, and there's some amazing podcasts out there that I've really enjoyed, like tattoo themed ones, but the vast majority of the people who are being spoken to are white cishet men. Like they're just, it's bro culture and I can't relate to that. And it's great that they've got a platform, but we would also like a platform. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Eddie. That's awesome. It's always been something that's really bothered me in this industry. I remember the first tattoo convention I went to, they had a press conference um, at the beginning of it, which is weird. I didn't know they did that. But they had a panel and there was media there and stuff. And there were 10 people on the panel representing the tattoo convention, not a single female on the panel. And I just was watching this thinking, what? there's nothing for me here. I, yeah. this, yeah. And anyway, even now, it really irks me. There's so many things like, you know, art shows, for example, t tattoo art shows, that, and they're not, they're not like uh, meant to be a particular thing, but you'll see a lineup of 40 artists, tattoo artists, yeah. and maybe there's one or two females on there. <laughs> I mean, what's with that? Yeah. It's like if you've you got your token woman to shut them up. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I mean, if you have to go out of your way and represent fairly, if you don't know any female tattooers that you can invite, you know, if if your circle of friends is all male and you're organising this art show or whatever, well, go to some trouble and get some more females on there because, yeah. like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's just weird. It's weird to me. <laughs> we need to be more inclusive. Like, it's the only way to make people feel more comfortable and safe. And I think as well, like, the more inclusive we strive to be, the less we're going to see issues with abuse 
and stuff in the tattoo community, be that of artists or clients? Oh, wow, that sounds that sounds like a can of worms that I don't know about. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not go down that route. But yeah, like, like, but I feel like there are some conventions, like going back to the convention thing, like there are some where they're trying to be more inclusive. Like, like we both love the New Zealand um, Tattoo and Art Festival because that does, a, I, as a woman there, I don't feel objectified. And same as Literary Inc. Um, in Chattanooga, in Tennessee. Like, that was one. It was probably the most inclusive and safe convention I've ever seen in my life. Wow. It looks amazing. Mm. So cool. Yeah, I've never thought about feeling objectified, but maybe that's because I'm usually, like, in, like, with my trailer <laughs> all trashed up. Maybe I objectify myself in some weird way so I, I don't know you're yeah, in your little bubble cute. yeah yeah it's I don't know the pendulum has swung so far on one side for all of humanity yeah if it swings a little bit too much this way for a while that's the way it's meant to be maybe yeah. so that things can come back here. Yeah. But if it has to swing a bit this way for, for women for a while, it's because it's swung that way. Yeah. I think that's the only way to tr achieve true equity anyway. Like you can't just suddenly turn around after years of like, you know, inequality and oppression and whatnot and just be like, okay, now we're going to treat everyone equally. No, you've got to like first, raise women up, raise trans and non-binary people up and give everyone an equal footing to then start from and to go from there. And yeah, that's, I'm seeing more and more groups generally, but in tattooing where they're actually fighting for space and for a platform to say, no, I'm going to be heard from now on. Wow. Sounds amazing. It does. Let's put <laughs> that like, you know, in, in, 20 years time like people coming into the industry are all treated with much more kindness and equality and not mistaken for a receptionist <laughs> it's hard to imagine yeah what the tattoo industry would be like in 20 years time isn't it yeah, yeah. well I, I guess that would be a good a good question to finish on like what would you like want to impart on future tattooers or even like people recently coming into the industry like from your 20 years of experience and seeing things change so much like what would you love to see people bringing into it moving forward well firstly I guess I'd have to comment that my 20 years is a drop in the ocean I feel like I'm only halfway to earning some kind of a respect of being like a, you know, a whatever, whatever you want to think of it. <laughs> um, because I look up to tattooers who've been tattooing for 50, 40, 50 years and, and they're the people who I go, wow, you know, you've paved the way. So I don't feel like 20 years is anything. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> what, would I, what would I impart? <laughs> uh, 
just yeah just to respect the people who've who've gone before you and to to understand that and that uh, it's I can't I can't relate to the newer generations I just can't because I yeah I didn't even have a mobile phone until I was 25 like I'd already been tattooing five years so there was no google or anything like that yeah it's really hard for me to relate to the younger generations or people who are coming into tattooing but I guess you know what it just comes down to is just be passionate about it just be obsessed with it and love it otherwise just don't bother (laughs) um you know it's almost like it's almost like I don't know a kick in the kick in the back or something when they don't love it well yeah you mean the I, I'm not, don't want to judge anyone, but, you know, I just think if you, if you love and are passionate enough about something, then you will research it properly and treat it with, with the care that it deserves. Yeah. You know, this craft that has been handed down person to person needs to be kept and treated really carefully and gently and, um, with respect and that could be that could mean so many things yeah um but i don't know just stay connected and um yeah stay connected to your to your pencil and your paper as well and and not just your ipad maybe as well um you do like get a disconnect with the ipad i think like i was using ipad almost exclusively for about a year like I just kind of eventually slowly went over to that and then in isolation started sketching in my sketchbook again and it was just like I guess there's because it's so much more tactile and there's like a transfer of energy or something and just the feeling of the tooth of the paper under your pencil there's something special about that that we should definitely never lose oh don't get me started on the ipad (laughs) it all it's done is confused my brain I got one (laughs) I think it was probably just over a year ago and what has happened to me is exactly what I thought would happen. Now I'm just stuck in like a limbo between two worlds because (laughs) you're right. I feel like you need to just work on the iPad for a long time to master it or to be any good at it, Um, to just dabble in it. Like I really can hardly do anything on it. But if I'm on the iPad for a prolonged amount of time, I'm so disconnected from painting and drawing that it's really hard to get back into that. Yeah. So to do to do both is really hard and confusing. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely a place for both, but I think it's if it's possible, like not losing a connection with just pencil and paper, I think will help people and their art making so much more. I guess so, but I would never want anyone to feel like I'm judgy or like have a preconceived idea of what an artist should be either. Yeah. You, you write your own book when it comes to that, but um, I guess I can only just say from my own sort of perspective. Maybe that's my advice to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can give anyone any advice. That would that would seem like I'm some kind of a, um, yeah, like a, like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just like 
chickens with their heads chopped off running around trying to figure shit out. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, it's been so good talking to you. Thank you, Eddie. It's been great even just to see your face and have a chat too because, uh, you know, I don't really talk to many people nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the last time I saw you was in New Zealand last year. Yeah, well, we'll see if it's on again this year. Were yeah. you booked to go? Yeah, I was. I was going to take um, some of the crew as well this time and yeah, oh. I can. It's going to be November, but, yeah, I mean... I think we'll be lucky if it is on, hey. Yeah. If not, yeah. it'll happen but, again. Um, I was meant to be tattooing in Melbourne last weekend too, so oh. <laughs> I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if our borders will reopen, but I don't want them to reopen until it's safe though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, part of you is like desperate to be able to travel and do all the things you used to do, but then you're kind of like people's safety is actually more important right now. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'd rather just stay here in my office and paint every day. <laughs> I feel bad because I've still got, you know, deposits from 20 people who have booked in with me in Melbourne. So it's just that's how I, that's why I feel bad. And I'm going to get down there. So. Yeah, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for including me in your amazing podcast and I wish you all success in the world with this Eddie it's a really great way to reinvent um the not just a girl concept um yeah and you know I'm really grateful that we you know in Australia we have you as our icon for oh. <laughs> for that and you really are you really become that for us and you you've become a real leader and oh. someone who inspires um and it's really important and just i have to say you're really brave as well for doing that um i just feel like i'm doing what i need to do like just want to uplift other other women other people like just want to do my bit to make tattooing happier and safer yeah well it's amazing that you feel that calling and that you're acting on it because that does take a lot of bravery to physically go out and do something about it. And, you know, we owe you a lot for that. So thank you. Oh, I don't think so. See, I feel like, you know, it's women like you paving the way, like inspiring, you know, my generation to tattoo is like, we owe you all our gratitude. Well, thank you. And I love you too. <laughs> Well, um, just to our listeners, if you'd like to um, check out the footage, you can see our YouTube channel. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at notjustagirl underscore tattoo for regular updates. Um, in the show notes, I'll link all of Mimsy's details and trailer trash details so that you can see their wonderful work. Um, please subscribe, follow and share and help spread the love of tattooing. Huge thank you to the wonderful Mimsy for joining us today and sharing your story. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I really appreciate you coming on and I really appreciate everyone for listening. So thank you so much. I love you, Mimsy. <laughs> love you. Thank you. Thank you.